You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, February 28th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. We're back, baby. We're back, and February is uh, is coming to a close. And unless you've been living under a rock, you are very aware that today, the day as you are listening to this, if you're listening on Monday, when the episode will go up, today is in fact the deadline. That well, deadlines even uh, in quotes there. The owners, MLB, has made an artificial deadline that to say the deal has to be done by today, by Monday the twenty eighth, or else we're going to start canceling games. That made up imaginary deadline is in fact today, if you're listening on Monday. So no deal was made over the weekend. Didn't really expect one to be made over the weekend. Uh, we'll get into kind of my expectations of what's going to happen with this deal going forward here in a second. But today is deadline day. And the last two days, they, they met over the weekend. They met both days over the weekend. So we're going to cover what happened in both of those days. We'll do a complete weekend breakdown here for just our first segment. We're only going to have one segment dedicated to the lockout. We got some fun stuff to talk about afterwards. All right. But we do got to talk about the lockout because, uh, well, we'll get, we'll get into my opinion of what's going to happen later. So Saturday comes around. We, it, it's, it's the player's turn to offer. And we're getting these reports that the player's offer uh, might have actually had some 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 blah 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 some substantial. I'm leaving that in. I'm not even cutting that. <laughs> some substantial movement as far as how close their offer was to the owner's previous offer, and and we might actually have some positivity in this. And they uh, that that report was was somewhat true. That was that was some there was some validity to that. Uh, once the details came out, they knocked the super two status from eighty percent on Friday to seventy or from eighty percent on Thursday to seventy five percent on Friday, and then knocked it all the way down to like thirty five percent on Saturday, and that's comfortably. The biggest movement we've seen by either side the entire negotiation period. And then on top of that, they adjusted their luxury tax a little bit. Not a ton. A million dollars or so. They're still pretty far on that. I think that's going to be the biggest holdup. But did, did adjust it a little bit. Uh, adjusted, as we talked about at the end of last week, they completely axed the, the arbitration uh, the everybody just having being able to go to arbitration a year sooner. They completely axed that uh, a while ago, so so that obviously stayed. Uh, they moved their lottery system. 
because that's been another big thing is uh, lottery teams because the players believe that uh, if there is a bigger lottery, then that will eliminate tanking. The owners don't want there to be a bigger lottery for obvious reasons. Um, so they, they moved a team, one team, I, I believe, on that, like seven to eight or eight to seven. Uh, so we, we had some movement on the player's side of things, right? And then the, the meetings end on Saturday. We're, we're all optimistic, and we're like, oh, the initial reports are that the players might have might have done something and headed in a, a step in the right direction. And apparently the owners did not like the offer at all. They were completely, they were like, this is stupid. There's been no movement here. Uh, because in their eyes, their biggest movement was on what is a non-starter in the owner's eyes. So Super 2s are a quote-unquote non-starter for the owners. They, they It's at 22%. They won't even go a percent higher. And it's not even negotiable. The players have pretty much said, F that, we're going <laughs> to try to do what we can and, and prove to you that, uh, that, that we want it to be at least a little bit higher, and that's why it was at 80 for so long. Chopped it all the way down into the 30s, cut it by like 40%, and the owners still were like, this is really, you're, you moved a non-starter, so it's not even really in good faith, and you didn't actually make any movement because you know that that's a non-starter for us. It's a ridiculous take, man. That's, that's not, A, that's not how negotiating works. B, look, I'm, I'm going to say this one time and one time only, all right? The players have been getting absolutely shafted by CBAs for a very long time. The most recent one was an egregious fleece, I guess you would say, by the owners. You can ask anyone that even has a remote amount of credibility in the baseball industry. They will tell you that that is a, an objective, factual statement. All right? So, just because they are still making millions of dollars playing a kid's game, which they are, and they should be very grateful for that, but just because you're making millions doesn't mean you're making your value. Right? Do we all understand that? Just because you're a millionaire doesn't necessarily mean that you are getting and receiving what you are worth. And when it's that egregious as, as the last CBA was, which again, it was, when it's that uh, ridiculous and, and noticeable at how screwed they're getting. They have every right to, to, to try and push for a better deal. Okay? Being a millionaire and then making millions playing a kid's game does not equal you receiving what, what you are actually worth in a collective bargaining agreement. You should be forever grateful and you should never complain about being able to make millions playing a kid's game that doesn't equate 
to you automatically, oh, they should just accept everything that's put in front of them, though, because they're still making millions. The owners are billionaires and taking advantage of the people that actually play the game. The owners do nothing. They do nothing. They don't run the teams. They don't manage the teams. They don't hire and fire people. They do nothing. So, it's the only time... (laughs) I'm going to bring this part up ever again. But, this notion that, that this is somehow... On the players, as much as it is on the owners, because they're not just accepting what's put in front of them because they're making millions, is absolutely asinine. Okay? So when it comes to the things like Super 2s, oh, it's a non-starter for the owners. Why are they even negotiating? The owners are right. They, they they didn't actually move that much because they, they moved on a non-starter. There's no rules. It's a non-starter for the owners because they said it was. There's no rule book. Oh, we're not allowed to negotiate Super 2s according to the upper council of, of sports people. It, the, <laughs> the owners just said that. That's not, there's no rule. There's no set in stone. Oh, you're actually not allowed to negotiate that. No. Just like this deadline, we have to have a deal by February 28th or else we're not starting on time. Made up, completely out of thin air, made up by ownership. In 95, actually, when there was a strike, they they came to an agreement after the the made up deadline set by the owners. And they made, they got to a deadline, they, they got to an agreement rather like four or five days after the deadline and then still played 162. Because it's made up. It's not real. It's just a negotiation tactic. Just like everything for the last three months has been from both sides. So, with that all being said, the players did make a substantial change in their offer. Bigger than than any of ownership's offers could even dream of being up to this point. And the owner's response was, eh, we told you that that was a non-starter and and all your other ones were really minimal. We're pretty upset. In which the response of the players was being absolutely furious. And then I promise there's only going to be one segment, but it's going to be about a segment and a half because I got a little carried away there. We'll finish up after I tell y'all about betonline.net. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball either. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two at Locked on Tigers. We're going to finish up this really quickly. Then we're going to get into some Tiger updates out of, out of spring and whatnot. 
And then we are going to get into uh, a little fun thing that uh, all the hosts at Locked On are doing at the end of the show in the final segment. So let's finish up this lockout update first. All right. So Saturday night comes around. We learn that the owners were pissed. And the players were so upset that the owners were upset because they felt that they made big changes within their offer and they didn't understand why it wasn't received, even if it wasn't accepted, at least being received a little bit more than a like, wow, this is stupid. Would have been nice. You know what I mean? So they received the owner's reception poorly and uh, threatened, uh, threatened's probably the wrong word. I don't think they actually ever threatened, but there were rumors swirling around that they were so upset that they might not have even shown up to uh, the following days to Sunday's negotiations. But they did show up. And if they didn't show up to that, I think there would have been a really legitimate, a, a lot more of a legitimate gripe for people to kind of be upset. Uh, you know, even if you're really far off, you, you know, we're a day before the deadline. You, 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 you got to try. You got to try. You know what I mean? Um, so they showed up. And Sunday comes around, and there's not a single offer made by either side. And I know that sounds really bad. And the, the reports were that throughout the entire day, both sides pretty much just walked back and forth between their rooms, right? They have one boardroom type thing for all the players, then one for the owners, and then one in the middle where they meet and, and debate and, you know, go back and forth and stuff. So, uh, there was a lot of going back and forth. It was a six-hour-long meeting, which is comfortably the longest so far of the entire week since they started meeting every single day, which, again, decent news there. Steps in the right direction, the fact that they're actually meeting and they're meeting all afternoon. However, no offers made by either side, like I said. So, it looks bad. It's, It's not great. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it's it's actually great news because it's not. But the, there's, the report was that there was a lot of, hey, if if we give you this, can you give us this? And then they'd run back to their people and discuss and come back and say, hey, we can't give you that, but what if we give you this? And then they'd go back and a lot of that going on, six hours worth of that going on. So... Now we will get to the final part of this update, which is how I see the the rest of this going. There will not be a deal done on time on on the made-up February 28th deadline to save this season. There won't be. Okay. However, like I said earlier, we saw in 1995, this is a made-up deadline. There is no hard-set rule in court that the season isn't allowed to start on time. They're not allowed to play 162 if they don't get a deal done two or three days after. It's completely manufactured by, by the owners for, for leverage in negotiations. And they've said that the players won't get played for the games that are made up. Again, negotiation leverage. My thought is, and this is my best case scenario thought, not necessarily my realist thought, but my, my best case scenario thought at this point because I'm 100% certain there will not be a deal done on Monday, is that they reconvene on Monday. They talk for a long, long time. Again, probably all afternoon. Somebody actually makes an offer. 
I don't even remember whose turn it is at this point. I think it's ownerships. Nah, I don't know. Not important. Somebody makes an offer. They go back, and that offer actually has implications and and big steps in the right direction. And within maybe a week after the 28th deadline, a week from today, if you're listening to this on Monday, maybe a week after that, we, we could potentially see a deal done. And then they will read and then they will have to geez, goodness gracious. Then they will have to negotiate again and try and figure out if, if they want to play 162 and if ownership still wants to pay them for 162 if and all that. So we're just gonna go from one debate and, and one meeting straight into another. But that I think is is best case scenario at this point. I, I see no universe in which a deal is done today. Monday, February 28th. Okay. Sorry for the for the kind of downer to end that on. We're going to we're going to pick it up a little bit and do a fun segment that all MLB Locked On hosts are going to be doing for the next 2 weeks. We're going to take one segment every single show for the next couple of weeks and rank the current roster of the Tigers, all the facets of the organization, where they rank amongst teams in their division. So lining up against the AL Central, where the Tigers rank in starting pitching, relief pitching, lineup, fielding slash defense, manager slash coaching staff, and overall. Okay. It'll be a fun little thing. We're going to start with starting pitching. Start starting pitching. Get it? Haha. And we will do that right after I tell y'all about Built Bar. It's that time of year where most people have given up on their New Year's resolutions, but not this year. If your resolution is to eat right, you're not giving up this year because of Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because everyone actually enjoys eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs included. That's 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away by the numbers. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. When you compare that to a candy bar, that usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious. And new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they care about the taste. It's their biggest priority. They make it taste delicious first. Then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. I also got to tell y'all about our friends over at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible 
for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers, you, ac- you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It just does not make sense. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box today though that we send you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Teased it before the break, but uh, Locked On, we're, we're, all the MLB hosts got together and we're doing a fun thing where we are ranking within our division what uh did that what did i word that right we are ranking our team's facets nope that's not right either we are ranking every facet of our teams compared to the division our teams are in boom nailed it first try (sighs) holster um so the tigers we're starting with starting pitching the tigers starting rotation as it stands right now Compared to the rest of the division, where does it stand? Well, for starters, they're not first and they're not last. So there you go. Spoiler alert on both of those. Not first and not last. I have your Detroit Tigers as the third best starting rotation in the AL Central. Now, it's it's this is a tricky one because the ceiling for this rotation is is very, very high. Right. You look as it stands right now, you have you have three rookies in Erod. Right? I mean this this has the potential to be a, a fantastic rotation. Casey Mice takes another big step forward. Tarek Skubel takes another big step forward. Matt Manning takes uh, takes a step forward from you know a little bit of struggling when he first came up, but a lot of pitchers do. Most pitchers do. Mize and Skubel did, right? So Manning gets his sea legs under him. The other two take big steps forward in, in their second full seasons. And then Erod continues to be Erod. Now, a lot is contingent on who the fifth starter is going to be. If it's Tyler Alexander right now, uh, I, you know what? We're not even going to go down that rabbit hole. I've, I've said it a billion times this offseason, my opinion of Tyler Alexander and uh, what, 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 I, what role I think he excels at in that versus being the fifth starter on a team and giving him the ball every five days. So those four and then kind of an empty, half an empty rotation spot at number five. Some is contingent on that, like I said, but when you're comparing it to, we'll just get the twins out of the way right now. The twins rotation is set up to be an absolute train wreck. Uh, it's, it's not good. They, they, it's, it's going to be a rough pitching year for the Minnesota Twins, okay? Like, the is Randy Dobnik going to start games for them? USPBL legend. Go Utica Unicorns, by the way. Like, is is, is that going to be a thing? Joe Ryan? I mean, sure. 
Like their ace might legitimately be Dylan Bundy. And I love Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy's the dog. But, you know, when when you're comparing our rotation to the Twins rotation, you know, when, when we have Erod at the top and they have Bundy coming off of an injury as well. Hope the King's okay, man. Bundy really is the dog. But the, the Twins rotation is not set up to be too great. All right. The Royals, I also have below the Tigers. Um, this is not a bad rotation. The AL Central has some has the potential in like a year or two to be a powerhouse of, of starting pitching rotations. Because the Royals already have some some good young arms and, and some solid, more seasoned arms. Uh, Mike Miner is going to be there. Brad Keller, Brady Singer, who has already turned into a hell of a Tiger killer already at this point in his career. Um, so they already have some some young guns and some established pitchers in that rotation right now. And their minor league system is filled with more starting pitching talent. Filled to the brim. So Kansas City could be a player for the rotation, you know, a year or two from now. They could have a have an insane rotation, just like the Tigers, right? But for now, I, I, I have them at four. I still think the Royals are probably a year away from from being I think the Tigers are a year ahead of the Royals in the rebuild process, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, this might be a big step year for the Royals and their pitching, but it's it's not it's not above 500 ball yet. Okay, then I believe then you have the Tigers right there at at three. And again, they they the, their ceiling is just as high as anybody's because we do have such highly regarded prospects in there that are still young and are still hopefully going to take big steps forward. But for now, I have them at number three. That means the people, the teams above them are obviously the Guardians and the White Sox. Uh, I have the Guardians at the top. I think Cleveland is an absolute pitching factory, man. Like, uh, and I said I think they are. They objectively are just a starting pitching factory. They could have an eight-man rotation if they wanted to. I'm not even kidding. If they just felt like it, they're like, oh, let's just run eight this year and see what happens. They 100% could. And it would be effective because that's how many good pitchers, they starting pitchers they have in that organization that have the ability to do that at the major league level. It is unbelievable. Tiger killer Tristan McKenzie, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali, Cal Quantrill, uh, I mean, Nick Wigren. Alex Young even, sure, why not? I mean, he he struggled a little bit last, but like it is it it's it's unbelievable. And that is all Mackenzie, Savali, Plesak, Quantrill. That is all not even mentioning Shane Bieber, who is one of probably the three or four best pitchers on the planet when fully healthy, which he was not really last year. So that that is the pinnacle for me. That's that's going to be hard to hard to touch, hard to top this season. Now we'll get into the when we get into lineups, we'll get into the flip side of that, which is Cleveland is going to Cleveland is going to Cleveland. The Guardians are are going to are going to be the Guardians, and uh, even though they have unbelievable starting pitching, 
they have a horrid offense and they might have some young guns coming up to to help that a little bit but well that's that's for a different day we're on we're on pitchers we got to focus adhd brain so cleveland's at the top for me the only real debate for me is between i think everyone else is pretty solidified i think the twins are comfortably fifth cleveland is comfortably one and the royals are pretty comfortably four okay Take a shot of ginger ale every time I say comfortably. The real debate for me, the only debate, is between two and three, the White Sox at two and the Tigers at three. The White Sox rotation is going to have Lynn and Giolito and Cease. And that's that's a really solid top three, man. That's a really solid top three. Especially, I mean, Lynn's going to eat a ton of innings and have that sub-4 ERA that he always does. Giolito has taken big steps forward and, and continues to. Insane changeup. Probably going to continue to have great years for for many, many years going forward. Dylan Cease took a step forward last year. A lot of people think he he has even another level that he can reach. Another step forward and more potential for him even in the bag there. Keuchel, I don't think Dallas Keuchel is very good. I'll be straight up with you. I I think he's an an ERA merchant. I, I, I think Dallas Keuchel's good you know, Cy Young days are far behind him, uh, and I don't expect him to, to really pitch like that anymore. But then Michael Kopech, now I, I guess the belief and speculation within the organization, he came out of the pen for a year, he worked himself back from Tommy John, now he, he's probably going to be slotted in in this starting rotation, and that's not even to mention the fact that they lost Carlos Rodon last year through a no-hitter and had a pretty damn good year as well. So... That, I think, is is pretty solidified at two in this division. Very solid three-headed monster there at the top. If you got to go into a series and you're getting Giolito, Lynn, and Cease, that, that's going to be a tough series for you to win, especially with how great their offense is. Uh, so I, I have the White Sox at two. I, I, I'm pretty confident with all of them. But if there's any debate, I think it's between those two. And I don't think it's really a debate on what's most likely to happen. I think it's just a debate if... The White Sox pitchers all pitch to their floors, and the Tigers pitchers all pitch to their ceilings. Then you could see a switch happen. That that's really the only scenario that I see uh, that I see something like that happening. So there you go. Tigers coming in as your third ranked starting pitching group in the AL Central, and we'll get into all the other things I named as the uh, as the week and weeks preceding this uh go on it'll be kind of a fun thing we do one segment every show will be dedicated to it it's a cool thing and then uh lockdown is going to do a big crossover event i think on march 14th somewhere around there and uh and and have you know all the different people and and guests and rankings of everybody and stuff it's going to be super cool so there you have it thanks for making lockdown tigers your first listen every day now make your second listen, Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. Uh, I know I said the lockout update was only going to be one segment, and then it ended up being two. I'm re- I, I am sorry for that. I just get a little carried away sometimes because this is very frustrating for me, as I'm sure it's very frustrating for you. Uh, I We do have... I wanted to do a little bit of looking way too far ahead on MLB draft stuff, maybe, because college baseball super fun and happening. Best standout collegiate athlete so far. Tommy White, Tommy Tanks, baby. 
Uh, he's a true freshman, by the way, not draft eligible for till 2024, and he's already dominating. Uh, he could have gone in the second round this past year, but pretty much said, if I'm not a first-round pick, I'm going to college, and he wasn't a first-round pick, so now he's hitting nukes in college uh, for NC State. So we just want to do maybe a fun little like college baseball roundabout because there's a lot of fun stuff happening in, in, uh, in college baseball. And then minor league baseball starts uh, relatively soon, a couple of weeks away for that too. So we will have some baseball regardless of whether MLB gets its crap together. I promise you that. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all later this week, baby. Go Tigers.